You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. I would encourage you to take your copy of God's Word. We'll be brief this morning, but do want to share a few thoughts from Scripture from Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 26. And the angel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, the only place that Jesus could be from, to a virgin espoused to a man, very important, a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was whom? Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And immediately she was scared to death. And the angel said, Fear not, Mary, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. Not just to you, but it'll be to all people. For you're going to have a child. A child like no other. You're going to have a child of Almighty God. Later in this chapter, Mary does what most of us do when we find out we're going to have a child. We panic. Amen? Have you ever panicked? How are we going to do this? My first thought was we're going to have to get a bigger car. We've got to buy a baby seat. We've got to buy a baby bed. We've got to buy little baby clothes. All of the obstacles and all the things that make us want to panic. And the angel said, now Mary, calm down. Mary said, but you don't understand. I've never even known a man. I'm not not married. I've never had relations with a man. This is an impossibility. The angel makes it very clear. There is no impossibility when the hand of God is at work. How grateful we are. And the angel explained. I'm grateful in this occasion that the angel gave an explanation. Because we need to hear this. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Mary did what most women would do at a time like this. She sought refuge in counsel in someone who could identify with her plight. I love my wife, and we are very close, but there are sometimes she just needs to talk to her sister or her mama or another lady. Because there's some things that a man just simply does not understand. Can I get a witness, ladies? Amen? Men, there's some things we just don't understand. Amen? A whole lot of things. So she went to the home of her cousin Elizabeth. And the moment she arrived at Elizabeth's house, an amazing event took place. The baby in Elizabeth's womb began leaping for joy. And it was none other than John the Baptist. And Elizabeth said, the moment she looked at the eyes of her cousin, she knew it. She knew it. There is something amazing about women's intuition. And Elizabeth said, You're going to give birth to my Savior, my Lord. And Mary began, the King James says, pondering all these things in her heart. We've all pondered these things in our heart. The mystery of bringing home a newborn. All of the things that take place in those first months. And years. 
praying that everything works out just right, and it never does. Getting through those milestones. I remember thinking, if only we can get through the diapers, we'll have the hardest part behind us, we'll have the most expensive days behind us, no more buying those diapers, because Tiffany just would not use the real ones like my mama used on me. And then Mary says, in verse 46, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for He hath regarded my low estate. From henceforth to all generations they will call me blessed. For He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is His name, and His mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with His arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty. He has filled the hungry with good things. He hath helped his servants. And Mary abode there about three months. The interesting part of this, Mary doesn't say he will, he will, he will. But literally as it is, it, 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 it has already been pinned by the hands of the prophets what this child will accomplish, that God had a specific purpose for this child being born. I wonder... On that fateful night, when Mary held in her arms the precious Lord Jesus, the announcement had been made. The anticipation period now behind her. And the arrival is at hand. Could she have ever possibly imagined all that child would accomplish? Mark Lowry wrote and made a song very famous, Mary, Did You Know? Parents, when you hold your children, you can hardly imagine all of the things that are ahead of them. The the, the wonderful things and the the tough things, the, the happy days and the sad days, the joyful occasions and the heartbreaking ones. But God already knows. There are two things I want to share with you in our brief time together this morning. And it's a message to parents. This is my 17th Mother's Day here. And each year you want to do something a little different. You don't just want a cookie cutter message. And and God just kept taking me back this week as I thought about what must have been going on in the mind of Mary and in the mind of Joseph and just being overwhelmed with raising this child. And whether it's a little baby like, like Avery... Or whether it's a young man like Ian. The fact of the matter is that it's not easy raising children. In fact, I would submit that these are the toughest days to ever raise a child. More obstacles of being a godly parent. More challenges to raising them in a Christian environment. The fact of the matter is that we can't protect them from everything. We, we can't put them in a place of a cocoon like in a little bubble. Try as we may and I would if I could. So what do we do? Well, I believe we retreat to Scripture. So let me give you two things this morning in our time together. Number one, when we think about parenting, it begins with having the right perspective. The, the right perspective. What do I mean by that? So many times today people look at their children as being burdens. Burdens. They keep me from experiencing the freedom I once had. 
They are financial burdens to me. They are, are uh, you know, social burdens to me and all of these kinds of things. And you think, well, I would never think that or say that. But sometimes we act that way. If we were to go to China this morning and it would break our hearts to see that sometimes baby girls are slaughtered simply because they're girls. And a family, if they're only allotted one child, they want a boy. They want a son. And you say that's awful that they would discount the girls. But there are times that we discount our children. When our children are born, we have dreams for them, maybe we have little Johnny and we bring him home and the very first outfit he has says slugger on the chest. A matching little hat and little cleats that are size that. And the first thing we give him, rather than a rattle or a passy, is a little miniature baseball bat. And we have dreams of the day that little Johnny will grow up and amaze everyone in the community, make us look good in front of our Friends, go on to college in a full scholarship and become the greatest baseball player since Babe Ruth. But little Johnny was never destined to play baseball. This could be true with Sally and the dance studio or the beauty pageants. This could be true with any child in our aspirations. And if they do not meet up to our expectations or their aspirations, we have the tendency to think there's something wrong. Every child, every child is not a blessing. Rather, every child, I mean, is not a burden. Rather, every child is a blessing. By this time of day, my mind's fried. But you knew what I meant. I remember when I was a child and we would go places, my mom would, would sometimes, we would see a family go by and maybe they had a child that had a physical disability or a mental disability. And my mom, I, you know, as a little child, I would sometimes stare and she would say, don't stare. Those are very special people. And I would inquire, what do you mean special people? And my mom would always say, God would only give a special t- child to very special people. Never a burden. Parents, are there ever times that you look at your children and maybe you're tempted to look at the burdens they brought into your life rather than the blessings they brought into your life? Help them to reach their potential, not the potential you wanted for them. I'll say this in love and I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, but One of the things that we do when we have a wedding here at the church, I'll sit everybody down at the rehearsal and I'll make it very clear that this ceremony belongs to the bride and groom. And um, in in our community, there are many moms out there and many dads, they didn't have a ceremony. They might have gone to Dillon or whatever. And so they've never had the big wedding. So the mama wants a big wedding and she's going to live vicariously through her daughter. And I have to remind them, now wait a minute. This is your daughter's wedding. This is their wedding. Sometimes I'm reminded who's footing the bill for the wedding. I've got to be honest, you know. But my point is, be very careful. Be very careful to realize that they're blessings. Even if little Johnny decides he wants to be a ballerina. Even if little Sally decides she wants to drive monster trucks for a living. Never a burden. Always a blessing. That's the right perspective. Amen? Amen. Number two, what does the right parenting look like? 
The right parenting is making sure that they have more than I had. You ever said that? We're guilty of that. People my age and, and younger, we're guilty of that, you know. I wanted a Trans Am when I was 16. I didn't get one, but my youngin's going to get one, amen. I mean, that's just the way we are, especially if you're a guy or Jeep or whatever it might be. I want my kids to have it easier than I did, so I'm not going to make them work as hard as I did. One of the greatest things my parents ever did for me was teach me to work and work hard. So we need to make sure it's not that they're getting more than we got, but that they got the good lessons that we got, maybe a few that we didn't get that we needed. That's why that book's so important. And by the way, any dads who have daughters, I ordered a case of those books. I'd love to give you one after the services until they run out. It'll challenge you to be the dad she needs you to be. What does it look like to be the right kind of parent? I could give you a thousand books, but I'll give you one verse very quickly. It's found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse number 6. You know this verse. It's very familiar. The Bible says this, Train up a child in the way in which he should go, the way in which she should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. You've heard that verse? And you think, well, that verse means that when my child is young, I take them to church every time the doors are open, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and there's something going on, they're going to be there. And when they get old, they're going to make sure their kids are in the church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and every time the doors are open, because that's just what it looks like to raise a child in the Lord. Actually, that verse doesn't say that at all. That verse does commend us on setting an example for our children, training them up by leading them by example. But literally, Proverbs 22, 6 says this, When your children are young, help them to discover why God put them here and help them mature and grow so that when they do reach some age of maturity, they'll be in His will. It's a picture of a tree coming forth out of the ground and every tree Mother Nature has given a certain bend to. That tree is intended to grow a certain way. Now there are going to be many influences around that child's bend or around that tree's bend, as the case may be. But our responsibility is to help them to grow and to mature and to develop into who God placed them here to be. And they do have a specific place on planet Earth. Aren't you glad God didn't make robots? I mean, imagine if you all looked like me. Right? Who said that? It would be bad. But hey, I got one even worse. Imagine if everybody thought like me. I mean, can you imagine how we'd be fussing all the time, y'all? But God made us unique and individually. He did that for a purpose because each of us have a unique and an individual gift set that we might use to bring Him glory, honor, and praise. So how do we do that? Let me give you two things. Number one, as a parent, as a grandparent, as part of this community that's raising these children, this village that's raising them up, we must help them discover their purpose. Now remember, their purpose, God's purpose for them, not our purpose. Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise thee, why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth it right well. Listen, young people, you may hear a lie in a classroom or on television or in a book you read that says you are just an accident of an unexplained phenomenon of Mother Nature. When you can convince a child 
that they have no distinct purpose or origin. You literally take the very foundation that everything else lies upon out from under it. Young people, you're not an accident. Your life and humanity's life did not begin with a cosmic boom, but with a creator being who stepped out of eternity upon nothing and from the midst of it all created everything. Just a few weeks, a little over a month, whatever, we're going to be going up to New York City and we're going to walk and we're going to look and everybody's going to walk around like this. We're going to go over and we're going to eat pizza at Grimaldi's. Amen? And we're going to walk back across the Brooklyn Bridge and we're going to look at the silhouette of downtown New York City, Manhattan. And somewhere along that bridge, I'm going to try to get everybody to stop and get out of the way of the bicycles. And we're going to talk. And we're going to say, look at those buildings, y'all. Every one of those buildings had a designer and a creator, a developer, had hands that literally constructed it from the ground up. And if I were to say, listen, all that's just an unexplained phenomenon. One day, poof, there it was. Little buildings just kind of started popping up everywhere. Nobody designed it. Nobody created it. Nobody thought it up. Nobody built them. Just poof, there it was. Y'all think I was crazy. Y'all locked me up. Because there's evidence. Because every building is unique. Every building had a designer. Every building had hands that created it. And when I look out across this congregation, I realize that only a fool would say in his heart there is no God. We are not accidents, but we are products of the divine hand of Almighty God. Discover their purpose. Every person in here has a different purpose, a different bend, a different reason for being on planet Earth and all that you would use, that God-given gift to develop that purpose. Now, parents, that's where we come in. That's where we come in. We help nurture that which is already in them, that desire that is within them. Nurture those good things. Nurture them in the Word and help them to know God and to develop and to grow and to build that relationship with Him as they discover their purpose. There is nothing more exciting as a pastor when a young person comes to me and say, Pastor, I've been thinking and I've been praying and, and I think I know what, what, what my purpose is. I think I know why God has placed me on this earth. And it's not always to be a preacher or, or a music leader or a missionary or whatever it might be. Sometimes... It's a far different calling in life. But there's a great excitement because they have discovered they have purpose. I wonder today how many kids are out there in our schools that are convinced they have no purpose. There's no use in me even being here. One day they're going to dig a hole and throw me in it and that's all that matters. So I must have all the fun I can have, get all the good out of life, have the most stuff, whatever it might be. And there's no purpose. There's no longing of their heart being satisfied. I love that song, Who Can Satisfy? Only a personal encounter with the Holy God can satisfy the longings of your heart. Try to put everything else into that hole and it will not fit. Only Christ will. You may not be a child or a teenager. You may be a grown adult and you may be saying, I still don't know my purpose Oh, it's never too late, my friend. For he's got a purpose for your life. And it's special. And it's unique. 
I wake up every morning and I thank God for the amazing story and the amazing storyline that he's writing into my life. There's not a person who knew me when I was 15 years old that would have ever thought I would be where I am today, not that I've achieved anything. Please don't misunderstand that. But nobody would have looked and said, this is where he's going to end up. But God was writing a storyline. And chapter by chapter, every chapter gets a little bit better and a little bit sweeter. And no matter if you're in the early chapters of the book or somewhere in the middle or over toward the end of your book, God is continually writing the storyline of your life. Discover what He wants to do in your life. Number two, not only do we need to help our children discover their purpose, but we need to help them to develop their passions. Pick on Carrie. I love you, my man, and I'm proud of you. Got to spend some time with Carrie in a car the other day driving through Raleigh in my Fiat. He was hanging on for dear life. You should have seen it. I've got to watch Kerry grow up, watch him play basketball, and now you know, he, could, he could doctor on me. That's kind of scary, you know. But, but I listened to the passion in his voice about his calling in life and, and the medical field, and, and, and that story could be repeated all over this congregation. But I love to hear that because God is not going to call you into a life of something that's just going to make you miserable. You're not going to say, well, I hate this field, but I guess that's what God's called me into. There's going to be a desire in your heart, and it's going to fill you with joy and, and, and peace. And listen, not every calling that God will call you to will, will create within you a millionaire. There aren't many missionaries that end up millionaires. I don't know a whole lot of millionaires that are real, real happy, though. But I know a lot of missionaries that are. Let me pause and say, I do know a few millionaires that are. <laughs> Amen. What is it that's your passion? What are you passionate about? You know? And what we're passionate about doesn't need to be something that's just here and now. I remember years ago I was at a conference and this pastor got up and he was speaking and he was in his 90s. And man, he was ripping and snorting and he was preaching and all that. And he was telling a story. He said, most guys uh, that, 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 you know, that were that came up with me, he said, they've been retired 20 years or most of them are gone, but he said, they've been retired 20 or 30 years. He said, I was in a group of pastors the other day and most of them were retired. And he said, they were talking about redecorating their bathroom. And he said, bless God, we've got souls to save. Who's got time to redecorate our bathroom? And I thought about all the things that we get consumed with that really make us passionate. I mean, you know, I'm going to build me a tiny house one day. I'm kind of passionate about that. But at the end of the day, that's not my passion. What is your passion? Parents, keep a really close watch on them. It will become evident what their passion is. I got some news for you. It might not be your passion. But you'll still have to go sit at them soccer games anyhow. You know? What is your passion? Kids, what's your passion? You might say, I'm not real sure yet. Hang in there. Hang in there. God's going to show you. I'll close with this thought. Why do I want to take kids on mission trips? I love taking senior adults. You're a hoot. We love going. But why do I want to take kids on mission trips? Because I want kids to get experienced and exposed to deeper things in life than what they can access on their handheld mobile device. And even what they can see and witness at home. Developing those passions. Getting them out there and seeing what it is that God's put them on planet earth to accomplish.
I know the plans you have for me, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to bless you and to give you an expected or a wonderful and a glorious end. To God be the glory. Father, I thank you that all the relationships we talked about this morning begin with our relationship with you. And none of the other relationships will make sense or will be in order until the main one is right. So God, I pray for every person in this room, if there's someone here who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, God, that today they would call out in their own way asking you to save them, to come into their heart and be their Savior and Lord. Father, we commit as parents and grandparents and as a church community, Lord, that we need to do better, that we need to be more careful to help our kids discover their purpose. Lord, when a child comes into our Awana ministry, our youth program, or any other ministry, helping them to not just fit into the mold of Christianity, not just fit into the mold of what it looks like to be a church member, but to be stretched to the point that they are are so exposed to your hand in their life that they might know what their purpose is. God, I pray for our children, for our teenagers, and all in between, that even now, God, you would help them to know how precious they are, how important they are. God, that you breathe life into them, that they might use that breath to bring you glory, honor, and praise. Lord, we, we ask that you would use us. Help us to be passionate about the things you are passionate about. Never passive, always excited, looking forward to what the hand of God will pin. In this next chapter, in Jesus' sweet name, amen.